It's right. It's Thursday night, 610 Sports Radio. I'm Jay Binkley. This is Rush the Field. Julio Sanchez producing the operation. What a night for football on 610 Sports Radio. Players only. Hosted by Dane and Hughes. Joe Mays, the linebacker, in with him each and every week. Tonight's guest, Keith Cash. Miss that. Download it. 610sports.com. On demand for that show. Then the Chris Kleiman Show. A very happy Chris Kleiman. Things are going well. Albeit they did lose at Oklahoma State last weekend. But you knew that would be tough. You knew that would be a tough game for Kansas State. We'll get into that. John Kurtz, uh, my uh, Kansas State football insider, joining me at 8.15 as he does each and every week. Followed by Gary Pinkle for all your latest on the University of Missouri and what's going on in Coach Pinkle's life. Because Missouri was coming off the bye. And we'll wrap things out with Josh Klingler, Kansas football uh, big news there with Khalil Herbert uh, leaving the program. We'll get into that as well, plus my top three games of the week. But as I mentioned, Kansas State loses to Oklahoma State 26-13. to Kansas State had been undefeated. Nice win at Mississippi State. Oklahoma State was a team that was a bit pesky. Bit pesky, we put it that way. They lost down in Texas by six points. But it's always a team that's right there. Mike Gundy always has that team ready to play. I mean, the NFL is loaded with Oklahoma State football players. Matter of fact, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mason Rudolph, the quarterback, James Washington, the wide receiver, part of that 2014 recruiting class at Oklahoma State with a name you might remember, Tyreek Hill. Part of that group there, Emmanuel Ogba. It's off to a pretty good year with the Chiefs, played at Oklahoma State for Mike Gundy as well. Just a few guys. Oklahoma State's one of those tough places. The field is right there by the players. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, Julio, or noticed that college football, a lot of the stadiums have the fans right by the players. They're literally right behind your back. But Oklahoma State just seems closer. Not a lot of room. If someone runs out of bounds, you're running right into the players and those fans, those paddles. It's a tough place to go play. It is a tough place to go down to Oklahoma State and play. And the one thing about Kansas State, they lose that game 26-13. to uh, Kansas State's big problem is Stopping the run. I mean, this is something, if they're going to look at one weakness, are we saying this about a lot of teams, like the Kansas City Chiefs? Chuba Hubbard dominated this game. I thought Kansas State was really going to have to watch out for Spencer Sanders, the dual-threat quarterback for Oklahoma State, could throw, could run the ball. Texas Player of the Year by some publications when he was in high school. But Chuba Hubbard ran for 296 yards. As a matter of fact, Julio, on the season... He is not only destroying the Big 12 in rushing, he leads the nation in rushing as well. 938 yards so far in this early season that's about to turn halfway for Oklahoma State. 938 yards. Second leading rusher, J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State with 654. So that's uh, that's quite a bit of yards for Mr. Chuba Hubbard. Is Kansas State just not doing well stopping the run? and uh, puts them right there at the bottom of the Big 12 when you look at overall stats for stopping the run. But that's one reason K-State. I, I, K-State looks sloppy at times in this game. Skeller Thompson didn't deliver like he has in the past. But also some big news coming out of Kansas State with a transfer. Get to that in just a second once I give you the rundown on what happened uh, locally. The one thing about Kansas... Kansas got ran out of the gym as well. And I can't figure out this team. It is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. 
I do believe Les Miles is doing a great job with the grassroots effort bringing players from Louisiana. Got to start getting the guys locally. Got to start getting the guys here. As I'm watching that Wisconsin-Michigan game a couple weeks ago, starting wide receiver for Wisconsin, A.J. Taylor, Rockhurst High School. On the other side, Ronnie Bell, wide receiver, sophomore, Park Hill High School. The true freshman quarterback that gave Jack Cohn all he wanted. The starter for Wisconsin, who's Graham Mertz has even played a little bit, Blue Valley North High School. I mean, it's all over where some of this talent is, but Kansas pounded by TCU 54 to 14. Uh, gave up 319 yards rushing. So once again, we're talking about a team not doing well rushing the football. They face Oklahoma at 11 o'clock on ABC. Kansas versus Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts, probably one of the top two or three most dangerous players in college football. He's got himself in the Heisman front runner conversation. If they get three straight Heismans with Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and then Jalen Hurts, the transfer from Alabama, Lincoln Riley is an offensive wizard. And not only that, I'm curious how the balance of power is going to maintain at Oklahoma. Because right now it's Oklahoma and everybody else. Texas is knocking on the door, Tom Herman. And all that talent in the state of Texas. I, I feel that Lincoln Riley's on the way to the NFL. So many NFL teams want Lincoln Riley. It'll be very hard to keep that job. Now, as far as uh, as far as far Missouri, they had a bye last week. They played Troy this week on SEC Network. But you want to talk about fixing the run. Wyoming ran for 297 against Missouri. I mean, they pounded the rock against the Tigers all the way. Then they faced West Virginia, only 30 yards rushing. Play SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, 40 yards rushing. South Carolina, only 16 yards rushing. Keep in mind, South Carolina is the third highest-running football team in the SEC, over 203 a game, 16 yards. Love to run the rock. But they've only given up 86 yards rushing in the last three games. That is showing significant progress for Missouri. So a tune-up against Troy. Troy can be pesky. They lose their coach, Neil Brown. He's with uh, he's with West Virginia now. He's in the Big 12. Bright, bright offensive mind. Got to get his system of players, even though a lot of them were recruited with Dana Holgerson, very similar style of offenses. But when he was at Troy, they beat uh, LSU at Baton Rouge. They beat Nebraska in Lincoln. They're a very pesky football team. Um, Iowa State, by the way, and uh, Baylor. Baylor is a team that plays Kansas State. Should have mentioned that. 2.30, they end up playing Kansas State. Here's the thing about Baylor. People give them a ton of run. I think this is a good match for K-State, especially being at home. Baylor beat Stephen F. Austin, FCS team, who's 1-4. University of Texas, San Antonio, 1-3. They beat them. They beat Rice. Rice is 0-5. Iowa State, the only good win for Baylor. A two-point win over there. But Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback. Over 3,000 yards passing last year for Baylor. So looking forward to that game. 2.30 this week. Of course, you can hear all that action right here on 610 Sports Radio. And one of the glooming things in college football that's happening, and it's taken over college football by storm, not only do we have the amount of transfers, which... Here's the deal. Graduate transfers, I'm good with. Don't forget Russell Wilson transferred from NC State to Wisconsin. That's fun. Don't tell me that Jalen Hurts is not fun. Transfer. He's only going to play at Alabama. Who is the quarterback? 
He got replaced by National to 16 and 2 there. But he's a, he's at Oklahoma. It makes it fun. Kelly Bryant at Missouri. So it's hard to say you don't like transfer. Look at the top three rushers at Kansas State. Transfers from North Carolina, Ball State, Louisville. This is just what happens in college football. But Khalil Herbert traveled with the team. He was the leading rusher of Kansas this year, right ahead of Puka Williams. Puka, by the way, had to miss that game. They were kind of quiet on the deal. Les Miles issued a statement about it. Said we would like to wish Khalil Herbert and his family well moving forward. With that said, Khalil is no longer a member of our football program and will not participate in any football activities. Keep in mind, four games, he is a senior. So he can transfer somebody, play out a year next year, but it didn't work out with him in Kansas. Now, a big shocker that happened this week is John Holcomb, who's kind of battling for that second gig, that number two quarterback at number two quarterback at Kansas State. And they played even some wide receiver and some tight end. He's like 6'4", 245 pounds. Backup quarterback. But he's transferring. He's a guy that's been in the program at Kansas State. They were kind of caught off guard by John Holcomb transferring from Kansas State. So Nick Ast will be the backup quarterback who's been in the program, redshirted there, and then a true freshman will be the third-string quarterback for Kansas State. It caught him off guard. Here's Colin Klein, the former Kansas State great quarterback, that commented just about the landscape of football and things changing and also comments on John Holcomb kind of being a surprise to them all. No, that's, that's a great point. It's, uh, you know, it's the landscape of the of college football right now, like you said. And, and uh, I mean, you always prepare for it as best you can. I think um, because you uh, because everybody's doing it, it, it makes more options available it is a little bit more of a free agency so even though you you may lose there's more opportunities to gain too you know so it's uh, you know it's kind of just the way it goes you know it's it's uh um but anyways it's just kind of the way it is sorry i came in a little bit late here but what was it a total surprise to you guys to find out yesterday about john it, it was a surprise um but again we we sat down and had a conversation and uh, you know, he felt like that was what was best for him. And like I told, you know, everyone earlier, you know, I just appreciate the work that he gave me and, uh, you know, for the last year and a half and the work he gave our program and, and wish him the best down the road. There's Cullen Klein on the recent transfer on John Holcomb. I know the Kansas State really liked Holcomb in the program. And then this is becoming the norm. And they were, they've recruited another big-time quarterback coming in next year. It's tough to be a quarterback and not put your name in the transfer portal. USC had this problem. Their third-string quarterback did this. He goes and lights up for 300 yards against Utah not too long ago. The transfer portal makes it easy to transfer whatever school you want to. Now, some conferences have little problems where you can't transfer between conference, you know, between the conference, but you can move anywhere else you want. You put the transfer portal, coaches can contact you. You can have conversations with them, even if you're one program. This has changed the landscape of college football with transfers being able to transfer wherever the hell they want to. And then, of course, there's the issue of California, Texas, and New York. California is further on the ball as far as paying athletes for their college likeness. The NCAA is going to have a big problem on their hand. I'll talk to Gary Pinkle about that coming up at about 8.30. Coming up next, John Kurtz from K-Man. Also, a True to Your Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Kansas State Insider. We'll get the scoop on John Holcomb and talk a little about Baylor coming up for Kansas State. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley.
Rush to Field. Pleased to be joined by my Kansas State football expert, John Kurtz. John does a podcast for us as well, True to Your Colors. Real good stuff on um, 435 Podcast Network. Go download it uh, and subscribe to it, but it's at JL Kurtz on Twitter, the sports director at K-Man in Manhattan. John, how are we doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Jay. How about yourself? Hey, I'm doing good, doing good. I guess we'll start here, just to, just kind of the news of the week. Uh, college football has uh, definitely changed a bit now that you have the transfer portal and you can leave after the four games. We see so many schools doing this. Kansas was dealing this with this with the running back. We've seen what Houston, the University of Houston, has been doing with it. And now John Holcomb, the backup quarterback for Kansas State, up and decides uh, to transfer four games and and gone. How big of a surprise was that? It was surprising with the timing of it. I don't think it's the most surprising thing in the world, uh, just in general. Um, You look at the situation that John Holcomb was in, he was a guy that was battling for the backup job. And I think most would actually tell you Nick Ost, who was a a walk-on, not even on scholarship, probably was technically the backup, but they loved Holcomb's athleticism and wanted to get him on the field. And they did on Saturday, not only in a couple of Wildcat snaps at quarterback, if we're still calling it that, in in 2019, but also as a wide receiver and a tight end because he just has that kind of athleticism. But he's a guy that's still young, I think still is is finding some maturity issues and was going to be behind Skylar Thompson not just this year but next. And then K-State has Jaron Lewis, another freshman in the program right now who was actually recruited by this current staff where John Holcomb was not. I think K-State has a 2020 quarterback commit coming in next year and Will Howard that they're high on as well. So I think the writing was on the wall there that he was probably not going to be the starting quarterback here unless things took a big jump in terms of just his maturity and understanding of the offense and all of that. What's surprising is that the move was not made either before the season um, when the situation was still basically the same at quarterback or wait until after the season, because right now John Holcomb is not gaining anything by doing this at this point. He's already used his redshirt year. So this year of eligibility is just going to be gone. He was going to get that chance. For I mean, a guy's big, you know, 6'4", over 230 pounds, maybe 240 pounds at that. But Jaron Lewis, interesting story. You know, he's recruited right out of uh, University of Missouri's backyard there in Columbia, Missouri, a battle. But uh, how does Kansas State feel? And this is weird, uh, John, and we're going to have to deal with this. All these quarterbacks transferring. And I listened to your audio with Colin Klein that you had put out there when he talked during the week, the quarterback's coach there at Kansas State. And this is just something that schools have to deal with. And when you start recruiting talent coming in, you might lose that guy that's been in your system that has experience. Um, USC went through this. They had a quarterback, a couple quarterbacks that could have transferred. They didn't. And the third stringer got a, sh- a chance last week. But this is just the new age of college football where you always have to be careful with quarterbacks because they're always looking to bring somebody else in. Yeah, I mean, John Holcomb was kind of a dying breed in, in college football these days. And what I mean by that is he's a, a hyper-talented quarterback who is not a starter. And, and a lot of times what you have now, I think the other three quarterbacks on K-State's roster represent what can be a viable and healthy quarterback situation that may hold up at least for a while. And that's, you have the unquestioned starter, you have Nick Ott, who is the steady hand at backup, that's, that's the former walk-on, doesn't always have to be that, but clearly isn't as talented as the starter and knows and relishes the role as a backup. And then the quarterback of the future, which, which right now would appear to be, at least will have a chance to be Jaron Lewis, 
you throw somebody else in that mix as talented with the, the physical traits that you described for John Holcomb, in 2019 in college football, those guys are not staying around just to wait their turn. Um, it was going to be 2021 before John Holcomb got, I think, a legitimate shot to be the starter just because of, of how good Skylar Thompson has been. So, yeah, it was one of those situations that I think most of us could have looked at it and said, all right, I think I know where this is headed unless Holcomb really wants to embrace changing positions. Um, but it, it can be a difficult thing, and that's where I kind of come out on like K-State's going to be okay at quarterback, and if John Holcomb really wants to prove himself as QB, this probably is the best scenario for, for all parties involved here to just go ahead and move on. Yeah, Nick Oss, the big guy, 6'5", redshirted his, freshman, his freshman year there and has been there uh, two years. Uh, Kansas, uh, The Oklahoma State game, I was actually looking forward to that, Kansas State versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State could be a pesky team, and, and the one thing about it is running the football, that Chuba Hubbard, 297 rushing yards there. I mean, he's by far and away the leading rusher in NCAA football. He 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 provided to be a tough task for Kansas State in that game. Yeah, weird game, uh, I thought, in a lot of ways. And in case they never really felt like they were all that in it, once they fell down 10 to nothing, they just didn't have it. And I, I think the offense is far and away the biggest problem, which I know sounds crazy to say when you give up 295 yards rushing to somebody in a game. But like you said, Juba Hubbard's been doing that. Uh, to everybody. I heard Kirk Herbstreit saying he thought Chuba's been the most impressive player in college football so far this year. Defense just broke eventually. Uh, they did a good job in the red zone of, of getting some stops, forcing field goals. They they forced three turnovers. And if you would have just said, hey, 26 points for Oklahoma State in that game, uh, you'd say, hey, I'll take that and, and run with it. K-State should have a chance to win the game. And Chris Kleiman really seemed to agree with that notion afterwards. I have a hard time blaming the defense a ton. They've been put in some rough spots each of the last two games. Mississippi State with the muff punts, they were put in difficult spots and, and had to respond there as well. But the offense has some issues. When you don't have Malik Knowles, who is by far um, the most talented receiver that they have and really the only big play threat that they have at receiver, it just changes how a defense is going to defend you. And We saw, I think, K-State's, uh, the rest of that receiving core, which is filled with guys that I would deem to be complementary receivers, just not number one receivers at the Big 12 level, they struggle to get open. Oklahoma State's got some good corners. A.J. Green, I think, will be an NFL corner. And they just really shut K-State down at the line of scrimmage with, with press coverage. That's been the, the buzzword of the uh, receivers this week, that they need to beat press coverage, and they did not do a good job of that at all. And that allowed Oklahoma State to load up the box and stop the run and and that's really the concern. I, you know, losing to Oklahoma State on the road in that spot, that, that, look, for Chris Kleiman to lose that game, I don't think anybody could come down too hard on him. But the problem is now I, I doubt Malik Knowles is going to be back this week. They do have a bye after that. But if he's going to be out for a substantial amount of time, you're going to have to figure out some way to pose some threat uh, with your wide receivers. And that wide receiver core has been hit pretty hard. They had Isaiah Zuber transfer after spring football, and they had Hunter Risen transfer, who was really talented, but obviously he had uh, his situation and running with the law that kind of hastened that transfer. So they've been hit hard in terms of just athletes that they're down at receiver. I think that, to me, is the biggest question. How does this team find some offense now moving forward? Game this week, 2.30 in Manhattan uh, for Baylor in, in Kansas State. And, you know, Baylor is undefeated, but let's face it, UTSA, uh, a one-win team, um, SFA, Stephen F. Austin, a one-win team, FCS team, Rice 0-4 this year. So three teams that haven't been playing very well. Iowa State, their biggest win, they win by two at home. So, yes, Baylor is 4-0 and 
and I think people think highly of Baylor. So another good challenge for Kansas State. I really like their quarterback, Charlie Brewer. I do too. And uh, Chris Kleiman and, and Scotty Hazleton both had really, really positive things to say about him, K-State's head coach and defensive coordinator there with those two. Um, I, I think he's a very good quarterback. They believe that he's a very smart quarterback. He's not the flashiest in the world, certainly not as flashy as Spencer Sanders that K-State saw last week. Um, but he is a guy that knows what he's doing, and he has some weapons. I mean, Baylor, again, probably not as dynamic as Chuba Hubbard or Tylen Wallace, but Denzel Mims is a really good player. He's been around for a long time at receiver for Baylor, and they have three running backs that they use, somewhat similar situation to K-State. Um, they've got weapons uh, to move the ball. It's just hard to know exactly what they are because of what you said. The schedule has been pretty weak. Um, Iowa State is certainly trending down, and, and Baylor – almost blew that game at home after jumping out to a big lead. In between there, they have that a game that makes you turn your head at Rice, who was an 0-3 team, and they win just 21-13. to I think K-State will have a pretty good chance to win, and Vegas seemed to agree. K-State opened up as a slight favorite, which was a little bit surprising to me. But I think coming back home, I mean, the wake-up call was a loss last week. Getting away from their identity at Oklahoma State offensively is something that I feel like Without totally saying it, the coaches kind of felt like they did. I think they'll come back with the power run game and, and just try and ride or die with that. Um, I think this will be a very close game. and I think they will have, as bad as they looked last week, a very good chance to win this. and It'll be a huge one because, like I said, you win that game, then you have a bye week at CCU coming in, which is another incredibly uh, winnable game for the Wildcats. Uh, they could really start to string something nice together and have to come out of this this two back-to-back home game stretch of 5-1 and one going into Oklahoma. I think people will be feeling pretty good. John Kurtz, sports director, K-Man in Manhattan, also True to Your Colors podcast, 435 Podcast Network, at JL Kurtz on Twitter. John, thanks for the time today, man. Good luck to the Cats on Saturday. Always, Binkley. There you go, John Kurtz, sports director at K-Man in Manhattan, giving you a rundown of Kansas State. Yeah, they get through this one, and they get TCU. TCU, of course, bombed Kansas State or excuse me, Kansas last weekend. Alex Delton is the uh, was the starter there, now a backup quarterback. Max Duggan is the true freshman quarterback at TCU. I'm not buying TCU. Kansas State beats Baylor. I believe they, they beat TCU at home that following week. But I'm not uh, sold on TCU. As a matter of fact, they got to play Iowa State this weekend. I'll take Iowa State. And sophomore quarterback Brock Purdy in that one. Coming up next, we talked to Gary Pinkle about uh, he's going into a lot of Hall of Fames, what he does on bye weeks, and, of course, uh, bring up uh, paying college athletes. Coach Gary Pinkle, the legend in Missouri, next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Welcome back to Rush the field. I'm pleased to be joined, as usual, by Coach Gary Pinkle, the all-time winningest coach at Missouri in Toledo. Coach, uh, good afternoon. Good evening. How you doing? Hey, we're doing great. Doing great, Missouri. Coming off a bye week against Troy coach and I tell you how much did you like bye weeks uh did you find uh, value in them just kind of refresh and restart yourself yeah I I think there's uh, there's two two different approaches uh we have two buys this uh college football now on the fourth was in a 14 week deal this year so almost everybody's got two buys and I think that um you know what Barry did it was typically what we did in the front half of the season uh which we still are uh you just kind of get two or three days. You have your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice. You normally do when you play your opponents. Try to maybe give them off the weekend a little bit. 
But, uh, you know, take, take back off the hitting, but certainly, uh, you know, focusing on uh, making sure that, that uh, you just work on fundamentals. Then the later one that comes like in November, I think, or the end of October, then you really back off that one. It's just making sure you, you know, you're, you're, you're working on staying healthy. And uh, so a different approach, uh, two different buys for different times of the year. But it's still, uh, it's still really, I think you can really gain a lot from it. I'm sure Barry and, the, and our football team did. Coach, been a busy week for you. I saw that uh, on Twitter there you were back in Ohio for the Summit County Sports Hall of Fame banquet there at Kent State. How was that uh, going back? And uh, I we'll get to the Missouri one here too because you got another Hall of Fame coming up. But uh, that had to have been fun to go back to your old stomping grounds. Oh yeah, it really was. You know, I you know, I so so you know my whole theme to my my life is I've always been surrounded by good people, and I think when you look at our our my you know my background in terms of when I was in high school, no one ever won a championship in the history of my high school. When I was in college, nobody ever hit that one championship in the history of Kent State University. Well, we won a championship in both. And it was great because I had a bunch of guys I played high school football at this event. I had a bunch of guys I played college football with. And I got to recognize them because they were certainly part of me winning and getting an honor like that. So I'm, you know, I'm really, you know, really honored to be a part of something like that. And, uh, uh, it was really neat that I could pass it down to some of my teammates who are just awesome guys. Talking to Coach Gary Pinkle, and of course there's a book out right now you should get. It's called The 100-Yard Journey, A Life in Coaching and Battling for the Win. He wrote it with Dave Matter, forward by Coach Nick Saban. Find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or just go to gpmade.com or garypinkle.com, Coach's, uh, Coach's website. Coach, did you have a chance to uh, head up to Toledo and watch the uh, 3-1 and uh, Rockets? No, I didn't really get a chance to do that. I wish I could have. I stopped by my alma mater, Kent State. Yeah, and uh, they got a big win over Bowling Green. They're playing Wisconsin this week. They're two and two. Um, but uh, really, uh, he's doing a good job. Sean's doing a good job there, and it was neat to be back at you know where I played college football too. So it was kind of a really neat weekend for myself and my wife uh, to see a lot of people, and uh, you know I've just uh, been very very fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of good people. Coach, you get another one coming up in a couple of weeks. What's the? Um, you're getting the bus down at the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. They put you in the uh, legend category. Yeah, how about that? That's something that I never imagined in a million years that that would ever happen to me. <laughs> I got a call two weeks ago um, by uh, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame and said that uh, I would be a legend uh, as a legend. And certainly I'm not a legend at the, by any means, but at the end of the day, I'm very, very proud of it. And again, it's it's uh, a lot. Of, a lot of people had a lot to do with us um, in the greatest team sport in all, which is football. Had a lot to do with um, me getting that award, and I get an award. I think it's November. It's November second or third or something like that on a Sunday afternoon. So, and it's going to be in Columbia too, which I'll have all my family there, all my grandkids, and my some nice kids are going to be there too. And so, it's uh, I'm very uh, humbled. to please. Awesome. If I'd have known all this stuff that happened, I'd have, I'd have retired a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be getting tired of giving speeches and stuff. How many Hall of Fames is this for you now? What's that? How many Hall of Fames are you in now? Uh, I don't know. It's seven, 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 but I a lot. So, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, and again, I, I'm not being redundant. I'm being boring to, <laughs> to, to, to any, any of your fans, the fans out there. But I, you know, I've, I've been, my greatest blessings. I, I'm around a lot of good people. 
And maybe I'm not pretty good at picking people to be around with, but uh, at the end of the day, it's I'm very fortunate. And uh, uh, this is it's not about anything in terms of just you know Gary Pickle. It's about a lot of people that make things work. Yeah, I tell you what, Coach, how's it like watching you know some of your former players, you know, like Chase Daniel getting a chance in Chicago, guys that played for you. How often do uh, some of your, well, your ex-players, your, especially your ex-quarterbacks, you know, ever reach out to you and, you know, ask for pointers, ask for what maybe they're doing wrong or doing right, or do you, do you ever find yourself getting yeah, those calls? They, they got some good coaches, Coach. Yeah, right. those guys are not that. You know, I, I, you know, Hugh Millen is a quarterback that, you know, that I played, uh, that coach at Washington. Uh, he's in the Orange Bowl years ago, and, he played about ten years in the NFL, and, uh, and I, I, I hear from guys, different guys all the time. One of the greatest, greatest things in the world is being a coach. Is you still got your players, you know, and you, these guys and the relationships that you have. And I'm so proud of most all my kids how they've how they've done, and you know how they have done in terms of their family, and you know them uh, being responsible, accountable, and all those things. And it's pretty cool. But uh, I don't do. I was really glad Chase was great last week. I got a chance to watch him. Second so section right after. Uh, you know, I had I have less now than obviously I did in yeah. terms of players playing in the NFL because you know, or you have J Max like you know he's been out he's ten years eleven years since he's been um, you know I, I miss the front nine and so um, I'm getting old I guess uh, but <laughs> certainly we got a lot of guys playing we've got over twenty some playing and um, we're excited to be part of that too. You're not truly old, to- coach, until you have the players you coached. And then their kids are playing for Missouri. Yeah, that's right. That's probably going to be here quicker than you think, though. I just hope I'm around to see it. So that, that's 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 what I'm excited about. <laughs> How big of it for is it a program when on Monday Night Football and stuff? You know, they, you know, when it gets to the players and they say, you know, their name, and then University of Missouri or Mizzou Tigers or whatever it is. How how big is that for the school to? You know, see your players on there and, you know, kind of repping the school where they went to. Because a lot of people watch those games, you know, and I, I think they take oh, note yeah, of where I, they I, went. It's great for the University of Missouri. It's, it's great. You know, it's just it's, it's just really great. Our fans love it, you know, as much as I love it and think it's great. You know, some some have opportunities to move on. There's a lot of great players. Most great players don't have opportunity to move on just because it's just, it's just so difficult to play in that league. But, uh, you know, we're certainly proud of us and them, and they, and they certainly just trying to stop a light on the University of Missouri uh, when they, uh, in, in that big a stage. Well, Coach, uh, last week I, I brought up the uh, transfer portal to you. You know, the guys can uh, play four games and then transfer, and I think that's really changed the landscape of football. It's been since you've kind of been out of it. You hadn't had to worry about situations like this. You know, Kansas State just loses a quarterback. It was their backup that decided to transfer at the four games. Uh, Kansas lost the running back, their leading rusher. Same type of situation. I think it's putting coaches in a tailspin, but uh, certainly something different, this player's portal, when you can throw your name in there and coaches can call you and contact you. Now, it can hurt you as a coach and it can help you as well if you you know, you kind of look at the wire and see what's going on. It's almost like a waiver wire in college football. And, man, this thing is this thing is really taking off, Coach. Guys are really uh, taking advantage of this. Yeah, they are. I don't know if it's good for college football. I don't know. If it's, uh, I don't know. It's just that's just the way it is right now. Now that now they're talking about things past in California, playing athletes. Yeah, I was going to ask and, you about that. Know, rich get richer. Uh, I just think it's. 
why I'm not coaching anymore. I'm not saying, you know, there's going to be some younger people that have to figure those things out, which is best. But uh, watch yourself. You know, college football is pretty awesome. And you're, by the way, you go to college, you work hard, and you get your degree. And, uh, and that's, that, I always thought that was a pretty good pay for uh, accomplishments of what you get. So we'll see where it all goes. And it'll be interesting to see how that thing sorts out because uh, as they increase this transfer, uh, you know, I think people get, get detached from the university. I know, and then certainly, uh, you look at look at uh, the different people around, that and, and fans around. But all of a sudden, the guy's there; he's not there. Now, new guys come in, and you know, it's just it's. Uh, we'll see what happens, and you know, I hope I hope just the decisions are made to, to protect the integrity of college football. It's not the NFL. There's mm-hmm. a lot of money in it, but. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned California, coach. I think New York is looking at at putting it on. I think the state of Florida was looking to put it on. I I think the NCAA is at a crossroads. They got to figure out what's going on because if you have you know big states like California and Florida, you know, in New York doing this, who's the next state you know to do it? Because certainly schools are going to be like, wait a minute, we don't want to lose our guys to somebody going out to California. Because we don't have the same rules in the playing field, I think the NCAA yeah, the is an enormous the, 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 the NCAA can't allow that. The NCAA can't allow that. I mean, it's got you got to be you got to be on the team or not on the team. You know, or, you know it's, they got to do something. You can't have one state paying players and the other states you can't. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. I mean, and what about on your team? You know, some of the good players get paid tons of money, and the other players don't get anything. It just it's just so problematic in so many ways. And so contradicting to developing a team. And when you about college sports, you know, they're not professionals. And, and the amount of money, it's a scholarship. Every, every university player has a scholarship. Um, and he, has, uh, he gets a supplement pay for the uh, cost of attendance in that, in that institution. Everybody gets that. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's – and everybody's equal. Nobody can give – Two scholarships, nobody can add on. Everybody gets the same thing. The dollar value might be different at Stanford than it is at Missouri, than it is at Kent State. But it's still a rule of books tuition. And, uh, um, you know, it's just where it's going to go, uh, it'll be really interesting to watch. I'm just glad I'm outside looking at it. <laughs> Thank you enough, Sam. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it anymore, Coach. You don't have to worry about it. When Missouri plays Troy at 3 o'clock, uh, this weekend before they dive into a full SEC skill, a slate for, but uh, coach, always good talking to you. And again, I, I strongly recommend the book hundred yard journey. It's a, a great piece that uh, coach put, put out with Dave matter. And you can get this at Barnes and Noble, amazon.com. I recommend it uh, for your Missouri fans around uh, Christmas time. I know I gave a few of these out last year and people liked it uh, quite a bit. So coach, always good catching up with you. I know you got a lot of stuff to do and, Get the Missouri uh, Legend Hall of Fame coming up here. You were just in Ohio, so keep racking them up, Coach. Yeah, go Mizzou. Let's get a big win this week and then move on. So, anyway, thank you very much. Thanks, Coach. Take care. There's Gray Pinkle. The legend Gray Pinkle comes on each and every week, switching gears to the University of Kansas. Josh Klingler from Fesco in the Morning, sideline reporter for the Kansas Jayhawks. Talk some KU Jayhawk football next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Welcome back to Rush to Field, your Thursday night college football fix. I'm Jay Binkley with Julio Sanchez. You heard the promo there, Oktoberfest. Uh, Binkley Night will be live from Oktoberfest tomorrow. Um, 
What a great idea. What a great idea, Saleshead. You know, do a show on a Friday night from a beer fest? Yes, please. Yes, please. Joining us now, a man who likes a few cold beverages. He's also the co-host of Fesco in the morning is Josh Klingler, sideline reporter for the Jayhawks. What's up, Kling? Were you even invited to October Fest? Are you just going? Well, I, it's my show's there, Kling, so it's oh, kind of like okay. I was invited, I guess. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could so. go anyway. I, I figured you'd probably go anyway. Last hour might be kind of interesting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Get the good content out early and then... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, and then see what develops. Yes, you see what happens. See what happens the rest of the night. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks, Kling, uh, welcome the Oklahoma Sooners. Nice little tune-up for Kansas. Uh, no, not so much. But uh, Kansas, you know, spanks Boston College on the road, 48-24 to looked good. I actually thought they were going to beat West Virginia back in Lawrence because I'm not a huge West Virginia guy at this point. I think they're really, really down. But they lose by five points. And then they went to TCU and got beat badly by TCU, a team that I think is kind of trying to find itself with a true freshman quarterback and in the Alex Delt, the transfer from Kansas State, who hasn't been very good for him. But uh, what happened in Fort Worth? Well, slow start. I think also a, a TCU team that was pretty embarrassed the week before against SMU. And, um, you know, talking to some of the broadcasters from TCU, at, at even at halftime of that game where they led 38 nothing, they were even wowed. And they just said, wow, uh, from their perspective, that was the best that they had played all season and a half. Um, Jayhawks had been pretty good defensively, were not in this one, um, really got chewed up, and then the offense is continuing its kind of uh, struggles to find any type of kind of traction and consistency. So it snowballed early. There was a punt return for a score as well, um, and then it kind of got out of hand. And in the second half, while, while TCU kept their number one defense out there, they were mixing and matching offensively, so... Kansas can maybe take a little bit out of the second half where they play pretty even with TCU, but certainly a lopsided final score. If you play, you play two halves, right? So sure. um, the, the, the score line was not was not good in that one. They were awfully disappointed, and it, it's not easy. You got Oklahoma this week, and then the bye week, and then Texas. So it's not going to get any easier for the Jayhawks here over the next few weeks. And rushing defense was a problem. It seems to be a common theme around the Kansas City area with the Chiefs run defense. The Jayhawks giving up a uh, 319 yards on the ground. Kansas State struggled at stopping the run. Uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, from Oklahoma State ran for 297 on them. But for Kansas, I mean, just the offense, just not clicking. You know, Carter Stanley, 12 of 29, 84 yards. Uh, Puka Williams, only eight carries in this game. Uh, Kansas, as a whole, just 18 carries for a team that I feel likes to run the football. Yeah, last week may have been a little bit different as well with the Decision by uh, Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I was going to uh, get to that. Take, yeah, to not take part in the game. They were really down to two running backs. Um, Don Williams um, wasn't seemingly available for this one either. So they were down to two running backs. So I think that may have changed the, the amount of runs that they were going to make, but also the deficit as well. I mean, they couldn't really go to the run game when they got kind of snowballed in, in this game. So certainly they have to run the football much better. They have to find an identity offensively because – I don't think anybody's exactly sure what this is going to be offensively uh, moving forward. And then Carter Stanley, um, you know, he's had his ups and downs, certainly, uh, but they didn't really develop anything down the field in, in the passing game and really didn't develop any offense until the second half of this one. So um, you do that against Oklahoma, and you could get, you could get waylaid. Um, but you remember last year it looked lopsided as well. The Jayhawks actually played Oklahoma really tough 
um, against Kyler Murray and company last year down in in Norman. So it's going to take that kind of effort again to probably stand the game Saturday. Puka was good in the passing game, three for thirty-three and a touchdown. Parchment only four catches for ten yards. He's been kind of the go-to guy for the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, you mentioned Puka. Um, obviously, he had a huge game last year against Oklahoma, too. So he had 252 yards, a couple touchdowns, and also threw for a score. So uh, they're aware of him this go-around, but he, he might need that type of effort or maybe more for the uh, for the Jayhawks to, to pull off an upset Saturday. Uh, Khalil Herbert, let's talk about him. He's a leading rusher yeah. for Kansas. He's a senior. And, Khalil, this is really an epidemic in, in college football at this point. We know the grad transfers can go and play – you know, immediately the SEC even took away their rule where a guy can go to a rival school and play if they're grad transfers. But then the transfer portal. And both Kansas saw this with Puka Williams where he can go and play somewhere next year. John Holcomb. Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert, you mean, yeah. yeah Khalil yeah. Herbert, who did I say? Yeah. You said Puka. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean Puka. I meant Khalil Herbert. Don't, don't get anybody scared. Right. No, no, I didn't mean I didn't mean, I didn't, didn't mean Puka. I meant Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. And he leaves. And Kansas State was dealing with this too this week. Is John Holcomb, their backup quarterback, uh, transferring as well um, out of Kansas State? So it, it can be good or bad. Missouri's dealt with Kelly Bryant with the rule, and he's playing for him and starting. And Nance, the receiver, played four games at Arkansas, and he's transferring. It's something to watch out for. But Herbert it was a weird deal. He traveled with the team as well, right before making his decision. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a strange deal, and I, I think the story still is kind of uh, kind of up for grabs. He tweeted out tonight, kind of his side of things, that it was his intention to uh, to redshirt and be back next season and not transfer. And he said, you know, kind of the situation has changed. I don't know if the the timing of of the decision because it it uh, it was uh, kind of revealed in the uh, the uh, the ESPN Plus Miles to Go program that he he and his family met with. The coaching staff on Friday night down in Fort Worth and made made the decision, and they were kind of blindsided by the whole thing. So I don't know if if, if feelings were bent one way or another. What exactly happened? Um, but yeah, coaches are going to kind of have to prepare for this reality, right? Yep. The rule is in place, and I don't think players are going to give them a, a ton of heads up if they're going to make a decision. But I guess it's also team's decision whether or not if you're going to sit out that if it's going to be at that school or somewhere else. So uh, the rule is there, and it. it you know, was was I think intended not for this direction, but mm. players are able to take advantage of it. Um, you know, in their favor if they choose to do so. So I think it's uh, you know it's it's up to the to the players to decide if they were going to take advantage of this rule in this way. And we've seen a as you mentioned kind of an epidemic, and I think they're finally discovering. Hey, if the season's not going the direction I want it to go, I got options now, which I didn't have before. Yeah, and the University of Houston's a prime example of that. Derek King, a great dual threat quarterback, and Corbin, their second leading receiver taking advantage of the rules are tanking. So college football is now going to have to get used to tanking that we see in other sports because that's exactly what's happening. Josh Klingler here in the tomorrow morning, 558 in the morning on Fesco in the morning. Thanks a ton, Kling. Always appreciate it. You bet. There you go, Josh Klingler right there. We'll wrap up the show with what I like to do each and every week, and that's called What You Need to Be Doing on Saturday is my top three games of the week. Start off with this one. I think this is going to be a good game. The Iowa Hawkeyes, 4-0, number 14 in the country. At number 19, Michigan, it's 3-1, 11 a.m. on Fox. Good primer early in the morning. Iowa had some close ones. That Iowa State game, close for comfort, but they get the job done on a rivalry game. Look at what they lost last year to the NFL at tight ends with 
Hawkinson, and no offense. Michigan's got to win this one. Michigan, Jim Harbaugh needs this for his job. Ronnie Bell, the uh, wide receiver at a Park Hill, who's really going to be a good player for them. So 11 a.m. on Fox. Then, as we get to 2.30 slate, so you don't have to miss anything. You just watch these, and you're, you'll be just fine. Number 7, Auburn, with the uh, freshman quarterback, Bo Nix. 5-0 at number 10, Florida. 5-0 as well. Something has to give, Julio. 2.30 on CBS. Then the nightcap, I'm actually looking forward to this one. Michigan State's 4-1, number 25 in the country at Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State's only lost by three points to uh, number 20, Arizona State and Herm Edwards. So looking forward to that. Justin Fields, full display. Talking uh, Heisman caliber. This kid's good. And when you talk about transferring, transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. So those are my top three games. You don't have to miss any of them. There's none that uh, coincide. With each other, Julio. It's called Saturday morning. You get everything done. You watch a little college game day. You sit down for the afternoon, and you watch college football. The problem with college football, like fans like me, there's so many games on at the same time. You have to pick and choose or go split screen or multiple televisions. Thanks to Julio Sanchez producing the operation. I'm Jay Binkley. This is Rush the Field. College football back next Thursday, 8 o'clock. Rush the field with Jay Binkley.